Good morning, church. My name is Preston. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm thrilled to be studying the Word of God with you this morning. It is Christmas time. Christmas time is finally here. Halloween is over. Thanksgiving is behind us. It's Christmas time. You may still be recovering from the food coma from this past weekend, but hey, Thanksgiving is over. It's Christmas time. I wish I could say, praise the Lord. It's Christmas time. Everyone's going to be merry, jolly, and full of good cheer. But that's just not reality. We have lots of problems around Christmas time. In fact, people have had problems around Christmas time ever since the very first Christmas, ever since the year Jesus was born. Ever since the year Jesus was born, people have had trouble, people have had problems when they think about Christmas. And I want to show you this with the Word of God because I think it's possible that there's a portion of the story about Jesus' birth, his birth narrative. I think there's a portion of that that maybe you have never seen before, or maybe you've never given much attention to, but it's actually incredibly insightful. Go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 2. And just so you know, this is just an introduction. <laughs> we're not even getting into the meat of it yet, but we're going to—I want you to see this, because this problem of trouble around Christmas time is not unique to us. This has been going on for a long time, and I want you to see that. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king— Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Okay, so... Again, just an introduction. Two things I want you to notice from that passage. Uh, number one, after the birth of Jesus is mentioned, so after Christmas is announced, in verse 3, look what it says. Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. What? Have you ever seen that before? I saw this for the first time a couple years ago, and it just blew my mind. I could not believe it. I had never seen that before. To make matters worse, as I studied the passage this week, I realized that the word that we translate trouble— is actually, trouble is too soft of a translation. It could actually be translated as disturbed, in turmoil, or terrified. Herod, the king of Israel, 
was in distress. He was in turmoil. He was terrified when he heard that Jesus the Messiah was born. Additionally, he wasn't the only one. All of Jerusalem was in distress, was in turmoil, was terrified when they heard that Jesus the Messiah had been born. And the phrase all of Jerusalem, that just is a phrase that refers to all the religious leaders. It doesn't mean every resident of Jerusalem, but it's referring to the religious leaders of Israel who all resided in Jerusalem. They all were disturbed when they found out the Messiah had been born. And number two, and this point just builds off the last one, none of the religious leaders go to see Jesus when they realize he had been born. Did you ever notice that? Look again at verse 4. It says, Herod asked the chief priests and the scribes, so he asked the people who are considered to be experts of the Old Testament, they, they know it front and back, and he asked them, hey, according to prophecies, where was the Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, uh, Bethlehem uh, of Judea. So they know exactly where it's supposed to be, be born, but then after verse 5, when they tell him, none of them go to see him. They tell him exactly where he's to be born, and none of them go. Okay, so Why? Why did that happen? Why was Herod and all the religious leaders distressed about Jesus' birth? Why did none of them go to see Jesus? Herod and the religious leaders were distressed about Jesus' birth, and none of them wanted to visit Jesus because they were afraid they were going to lose their power. Plain and simple. If Jesus really was the Messiah and uh, the promised Savior of the Old Testament, if he really was born— then he's the rightful king of Israel, and there's no place for Herod anymore. If Jesus is the Messiah and he's really born, then he's the ultimate teacher of Israel, and the role of the religious teachers would become obsolete. When the birth of Jesus was announced, Herod and the religious leaders realized that their positions of power would be taken away from them. In other words, they viewed Christmas through the world's eyes, not God's. They viewed Christmas through the world's eyes, not God's. They were incapable of enjoying Christmas, of enjoying Christmas, and rejoicing at what God was doing because they looked at Christmas through a worldly lens. Church, it's been 2,000 years, and we still have the same problem. Every year at Christmas time, people are distressed. People are in turmoil because they view Christmas through the world's eyes, not God's. In fact, this problem is so bad that people talk about the holiday blues as, like it's a real thing. I mean, let me be clear, it, it is a real thing, but it shouldn't be. The holiday blues is not a medical condition per se, like it's, you, you get diagnosed with it. But people every year are recorded as being depressed, lonely, and full of anxiety and disappointment around Christmas time. It's so common that people call it the holiday blues. Church, this shouldn't be so. Christmas, when viewed appropriately, should be a time of great joy and a time of celebration every single year. And I really mean that. I don't don't care. It doesn't matter what you're going through. If you view Christmas in an appropriate way, then you should be able to rejoice every single Christmas. You should be able to celebrate the birth of Christ every year. And that's what I want to remind you of this morning. I use the word remind because I I know probably every single one of you, for the most part, you know the story of Christmas. And and I don't want to patronize any of you and and, and try to tell you something like, oh, you don't know the Christmas story. But listen, I do believe that all of us need to be reminded the true meaning of Christmas. 
Because this world, it just fills our minds. It inundates us with all their ideas of what Christmas should be. No matter what show you watch, no matter what commercial you see, no matter what ad on Facebook or Instagram, they're telling you how to view Christmas. And so even if we know what the meaning of Christmas is, we're we're just getting bombarded with all these other ideas. And so I think it's good for us to step back, take a breath, and just be reminded what Christmas really is. So this morning... I want to share with you three reminders about Christmas so that you will go into this Christmas season with the right perspective. I want to share with you three reminders about Christmas so that you will go into this Christmas season with the right perspective. And before I share those with you, why don't we just pause and pray and ask God to bless our time together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we get to study it, and thank you that we get to learn things like this, like what Christmas really is about, something that our world completely hijacks and turns into something else. I thank you that we have this bedrock anchor of your word, and, and we can be reminded of what it really is about. So I just pray as we, we take some time to, to consider it, I pray that you'd bless our time. You'd open our eyes to see beautiful things in your word. You'd, you'd help me speak clearly. You would move amongst those who are watching, and Holy Spirit, you would just make it clear what Christmas is about, and we would rejoice, and we would celebrate your birth this year in an appropriate way. God, we love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so three reminders about Christmas. The first reminder about Christmas is that Christmas is a celebration about God, not you. Christmas is a celebration about God, not you. When we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating God. This should be obvious, right? I mean, it's Jesus's birthday. But what makes Jesus' birthday so special and worthy of celebration is why it happened. It's why it happened. And and maybe many of us, we just forget this. So I want to encourage you, go ahead and turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have just been defeated by Satan. Satan came in and twisted God's words and deceived Eve into doing something that God explicitly said not to do. And then Adam just went right along with it. So now God, at this point, is handing out punishment to everyone involved, and we pick up the story in verse 14. God speaking, verse 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Okay, it's that last part of verse 15. I want you to notice, God promised Satan that a day was coming that he was going to send someone through the offspring of the woman who would bruise, or we could translate that word, crush his head. Satan has just ruined God's creation. God created the world in six days. He said it was very good. Adam and Eve are living their best life now. But then Satan comes in, And he twists the words of God, and he tricks them. He tricks Eve, and and Adam just doesn't do anything. He goes right along with it. And now God's good creation is now very corrupt. It's full of sin. Think about this, church. Everything that you despise about this world, pain, suffering, medical conditions, disabilities, injustice, sickness, All of that is a result of what Satan did here. When Satan caused Adam and Eve to sin. But in that moment, even though Satan has ruined everything, God looks at Satan and he says, there's coming a day where I'm going to send someone to crush 
your head. There's coming a day, to put it plainly, that God is coming to defeat Satan. He's going to defeat him. He's going to destroy him. Whereas Adam and Eve failed in their battle against Satan, God was going to send someone through Eve's offspring that would beat Satan. And so from Genesis 3 on, many of the prophecies about the coming Messiah served as a way to authenticate who the real Messiah was, who the person was that was going to be God's chosen vessel to defeat Satan. So all the other prophecies, they're just meant to show us who that person is. So Isaiah 7, 14 said that the coming Savior would be born of a virgin. And Matthew, Matthew 1, 18 says that's how Jesus was born. Micah 5, 2 said that the coming Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Matthew 2, 1 says that's exactly where Jesus was born. Genesis 22, 17 through 18 said that the coming Savior would come through Abraham's line. Additionally, Genesis 49.10 said it would come from the line of Judah. Isaiah 11 said it would come from the line of Jesse. Jeremiah 23.5 says the coming Savior would come through the line of David. And when we get to the New Testament, we read Matthew 1, 1 through 17, it reveals that the family line that Jesus comes from is that exact family line. Jesus was slash is the predicted Savior predicted in the Old Testament or the prophesied Savior. Jesus is the one God promised to send to destroy uh, Satan, which means Jesus is all of humanity's Savior. We as humanity could not defeat Satan. We lose every time, but Jesus came and Jesus won. So what is Christmas according to God? Christmas, according to God, is the day that God sent a Savior for us to defeat our greatest enemy, Satan. And in fact, in case you're wondering, like, wait, is that real? Even the New Testament affirms this. 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The reason God sent Jesus was to destroy Satan. Okay, so If it's clear that Christmas is the day that God sent Jesus into the world to ultimately defeat our enemy, Satan, then think about what that means as it relates to our celebration. Celebrating Christmas has nothing to do with you. Celebrating Christmas, to be honest, has nothing to do with me. Celebrating Christmas has nothing to do with us. Celebrating Christmas is celebrating God. We're thanking Him for what He's done, which is why— When you think about this year, okay, this is, I think, particularly relevant right now, because this year, I think a lot of us, we're falling into this trap where with the mandates around COVID and stuff and all this random stuff, we're we're thinking like, oh, Christmas is ruined. Oh, I can only have so many people in my house, or oh, we can't go here. This restaurant, it's a family tradition that we go there. Oh, we we can't go to the store. This store was a local business that we always used to get these things uh, from, and, and now we can't go. Oh, now we can't you fill in the blank, whatever it is that your Christmas thing is, and you're thinking it's ruined because of what's going on right now. But I want you to realize something. Um, If you can't go to your favorite restaurant, who cares? If you can't get the gift that you want to get for your kid, who cares? If you can't go see the lights that you used to always go see, who cares? If someone can't come to your house, who cares? And this is why I say, I don't mean to be mean, but just think about it for a second. Just bear with me. If we're celebrating God, it's his birthday we're celebrating. Do you think God is in heaven, Jesus is up there, and he's like, dang it! Ah, man! 
Because of COVID in America right now, grandma's May can't get on a plane all the way up here to Alaska to see my daughter Jenny and hang out with her and, and, and drink their favorite eggnog and build a gingerbread house. My birthday is ruined. <laughs> no, Jesus is not doing that. We're celebrating Jesus. We're not celebrating ourselves. So Yes, maybe, I don't know, and we still have a couple weeks, maybe mandates will make things different this year for Christmas. But it doesn't matter because we're celebrating Jesus. And Jesus does not care whether you drink your favorite eggnog. Jesus doesn't care if you build the, the, the gingerbread house, if you go to the famous restaurant that you go to every single year. He doesn't care about that. What we need to be doing is we need to be celebrating God. So whatever that looks like, if we can do that, I mean, I'm not saying those things can't be a way that you celebrate by getting together and having fun and thinking of him and praising him, praying together. Those are all good things. But again, I'm just wanting you to get the perspective that if it's about him, if we have to change a couple things this year, it's okay. It's okay. If it was your birthday, yes, be upset because someone messed up your birthday. But it's Jesus's birthday and it doesn't matter. He doesn't care about that. So, the first reminder when it comes to Christmas is that Christmas is a day to celebrate God, not you. Second reminder when it comes to Christmas, your value is found in God, not you. Your value is found in God, not you. Okay, the reason I'm saying this, I think it's so important. The reason why so many people, I think, get down, they get the holiday blues, is because you think that you've in some way failed, right? Like the parents who they can't get all the gifts that they want to get for their kids. Or um, they, uh, maybe this year they didn't get the job that they wanted, and now they're around the family, and the family's talking about what jobs they have, and you're embarrassed because you don't have the job that you wanted. Uh, or maybe you, you're thinking like, oh, like I got to, you know, we got to have a good Christmas celebration. It's on me because I'm the single mom or I'm the mom and all the family's coming over and my house has got to be pristine. It's got to be clean. And, you know, it's got to look festive. You know, it's got to look very Christmassy. So I better go put lights on all the windows and we got to put all this greenery on everything. And, and, and you just, you know, all of you who have a mom who does that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's like they're hyperventilating as they just think about it. And I got to do this and this and this and this and this. But listen, your value is not in you or what you do. Your value is found in God, and we should especially know this around Christmas time. But around Christmas time, for whatever reason, it gets the worst. It gets the worst around Christmas time where we think our value is in the gift I got my kid, the gift I got my spouse, what gift I was given by someone, the job I have that I can tell my family, or how clean my house looks, and all the food I make, if I make good enough pies, if I make good enough but none of that matters. Your value, especially, as I just said, around Christmas, is found in God. So many of us know this verse, but again, think about this, John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why did God send his son into this world to defeat Satan? But also because for God so loved the world. And world is just a term there that he's using to refer to all the people here. Okay, he doesn't mean like, God's like, oh, my creation, the, the, the world, the trees and all that stuff, I better go save it. No, he's talking about 
people. For God so loved the people in this world that he gave his only son. God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You want to know if you're valuable at Christmas time, especially at Christmas time? Think about how 2,000 years ago, God sent his son here for you because he loved you. God loves you. That's why he sent his son here. That's why he sent his son. Because he loves you and he wanted to save you. And I want to just push a little bit further with this one. Because some of you might get the holiday blues because you get down on yourself because maybe you've made some mistakes this year. Or maybe for a couple years. You've done some things that you're not proud of. Maybe your family has now split apart. Maybe you have a child that's estranged and doesn't want to talk to you. Maybe you blew up at work and you lost a job or I don't know. But if you have something like that, you know exactly, you know, you know what it is that's coming to your mind right now. But I want you to know that even you in your situation, you still have value. Because your value is not found in you, your value is found in God. And when it comes to Christmas, God came here to die for you. That's why we have Christmas. Is because God said every person, not just you. Every person is a sinner in need of saving. And so that's why he came, was to provide salvation for everybody. Because every single one of us have sinned. It doesn't matter if we have a huge tragic sin, we've gone through divorce and split family and affair or a lost kids or anger or whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter if that's our sin or if our sin's something small, just a little white lie here. And it doesn't matter. Every single one of us have sin. And Scripture says the wages of sin, the consequence of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God. But the beautiful thing is God loves us, as I keep saying over and over again, because I hope you get it. He loves us, and he sent his son to die for you anyways, because he wants a relationship restored. Instead of making you die, God, crazy, in his economy said, I'll die for you. And he did, and he rose again, and then he said, believe in me, and my death can count as your death. And we can have a relationship once again. So, if you're a person who feels so down on yourself because of some mistakes you made, I want you to know that your value is found in God. And if you don't have a relationship with him, start one today. Put your faith in Jesus. That's what Christmas is all about. And for those of you who maybe, maybe you've known Jesus for a long time, you've had a relationship with him, but you realize, man, I'm, I'm allowing myself to get worked up every year at Christmas time because I want to be the mom that provides the best Christmas. I want to be the dad that provides the best gifts. I want to, whatever, just stop thinking that way. And this year realize, yes, do your best to provide a good Christmas for your kids. Do, do the best that you can for your family. Do what you can to have good memories with them. But ultimately, don't get down on yourself if you don't have the best gift. Don't get down on yourself if you don't have um, whatever it may be that you're, you, this expectation that maybe you can't get. Because ultimately, especially around Christmas time, we need to be remembering that our value is found in Jesus and that God thought we were valuable enough himself that he sent Jesus to die for us. That's what Christmas is about. Okay, so we've covered two reminders so far. Number one, Christmas is a celebration about God, not you. Number two, 
Your value is found in God, not you. And lastly, number three, your emotions should be authentic, not fake. This one I just wanted to add because I know at the beginning I said that you should be able to celebrate and have joy every Christmas. And I just want to clarify that. I think so many people struggle around Christmas time because everything you see says, be jolly, be happy, Merry Christmas. And, and so if maybe we've had a rough year or maybe, you know, something hasn't gone right, maybe you've lost a family member, you know, think about this year, people losing family members it's with COVID and all that. Or whatever else, some kind of tragedy, you lose someone or... Um, Maybe you lost a job again this year, especially that might be particularly relevant. And, and so it's like, how can I be merry and jolly when all this is going on? When, when I lost my job, when I, this happened, or when, whatever, you fill in the blank. You lost a family member, whenever, etc. But the truth is, I'm not saying you need to be happy and merry and jolly. What I'm saying is, you should be able to have joy every single Christmas. And this is why Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Luke chapter 10, or excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Did you hear that? Good news of great joy that will be for all people. Why? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. An angel appeared to some shepherds years ago, 2,000 years ago on Christmas, the very first Christmas. And when they were terrified and freaking out, he said, don't be afraid. Listen, I have great news of great joy, or good news of great joy. What is that good news with great joy? That today a Savior, Christ the Lord, was born. And guys, that statement is still true today. This was good news for, it said, all people. Not just the shepherds back then. Christmas was meant to bring great joy to all people. Why? Because you're never going to lose a family member? No. Because you're never going to lose a job? No. Those things are a reality of this world. We live in a sin-fallen world. Problems are going to happen. They're going to happen. But you can have great joy because you know God loved you enough to send his son in the world to die for you and raise again. You can have a relationship with God because of what he did. That's what Christmas is about. I know I'm kind of hammering this point in, but like, think about that, guys. You can have joy, not fake, merry, jolly, haha, but like be content in your soul and happy every Christmas because you're thinking about, man, if God didn't send Jesus into this world, my consequence is to be forever separated from him. But now I don't have to do that because God loved me enough that he sent his, world, his son into this world to die for me. And now by faith, I get to have a relationship with the creator of the universe. The God of this world, I get to have a relationship with now because he sent his son to this world. So when you think about Christmas, and you think about, well, maybe this hasn't been the best year. We lost a job. We lost a family member. So-and-so left the family. 
even if that happens, which I pray that that's not going on in any of you guys' lives. I don't want that to be the case. But even if that was, when it comes to Christmas Day, you should be able to remember and reflect on this day 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to this world to die for me. And that should bring you joy to know that he did that for you. Your emotions at Christmas time, please hear me, they should be authentic. You should have authentic joy inside you when you think about what God did for you. It doesn't have to be fake, made up, like, huh. It doesn't need to be that way. Anyone who says it to you, like, it just, it, it, they don't get it. Like, don't, don't try to be that. Don't, don't fake it. Just be real. And understand that God did this for you, so therefore I'm happy and I'm thankful. But that doesn't mean that I can't have a little bit of sorrow if something bad happened. That's okay. It's okay if that happens. But at the end of the day, when I'm celebrating Christmas, Jesus' birth, I'm going to rejoice knowing what he did for me, and I'm going to be glad that God did that. Even if I have some troubles going on, I'm still going to be happy. All right. So this morning we have talked about three reminders for us to have this Christmas season. And what I want you to have is you go into the Christmas season this year because there's so much going on. I know, again, we got election stuff that's somehow still going on. We have COVID that's still somehow going on. And you probably have your own family drama that I don't even know about. Like, there's just a lot of things going on. And I'm sure that you come to Christmas and you're like, man, it's just not the same this year. This is going on, this is going on. And you're right, it may not be. But I just want to remind you that you can still have a great Christmas because number one, Christmas is a celebration about God, not you. Your value, especially at Christmas time, is found in God, not you. And lastly, your emotions should be authentic, not fake. This Christmas, have that perspective. Remind yourself, write that on your walls. Write that down. Remember that. So that way you have the appropriate perspective as you go into Christmas season. Let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for what you did for Christmas. God, you saved us. You delivered us from our enemy. He came and he ruined everything. But you promised you were going to one day send someone into this world to defeat him. And that happened on Christmas Day about 2,000 years ago when you sent your son. Thank you for that. And God, may all of us celebrate you on Christmas, not ourselves. May we celebrate you, God. And may all of us realize that our value is not found and the things that we provide or the material things of this world, but our value is found in you and the fact that you found us valuable enough to come here and die for us on Christmas. Or excuse me, you came here to start that process on Christmas. And lastly, God, I pray that you'd help all of us have authentic, real joy this Christmas season. Help us actually rejoice as we think about what you did for us. No matter what our life circumstances are right now, may we, God, please Rejoice at what you did for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.